0: Okay, chapter 4, Paul uh, continues to correct the false teaching that had believers in the churches in Galatia returning to the law for salvation along with their faith in Jesus Christ. And he was continuing to explain uh, the difference between a young child and a mature adult son, and he used two Old Testament women to show the difference between the law and grace. So we're going to kind of go through law and grace, bondage or freedom, and son of the flesh or son of the promise. So number one, law or grace? Well, we've been studying, and I feel like how much more can we cover about law and grace? But it's in Scripture, so that's kind of the direction we are going. Um, The law was given basically as a standard of righteousness for God's people, the Jews, they were to obey, but it was very obviously, and God obvious and God knew they were not ever going to be able to fully keep the law. Um, and no man was able to until the fullness of the time had come when God sent his Son, Jesus Christ, into the world, born of a woman, under the law. Um, and Jesus was fully man. He was able to keep the whole law. He didn't sin once. He was sinless. He was without blemish, without spot. There was no darkness in him at all. And he was the perfect sacrifice who took our place and took our sin and punishment because we had broken the law. Man had broken the law. Um, And so he was the only one that could not break the law. So God, through his grace, which we know is his unmerited favor, he gave his only begotten son, and whoever believes and puts their trust in Jesus will be saved. Uh, because they're trusting in Jesus' finished work on the cross, not their own works, to save them. The false teachers said believers had to adhere to the law. They had to adhere to the Jewish traditions and religions and rituals, and the Lord said through Paul, no don't go back under that bondage. You don't have to obey the law to be saved. Just put your trust in Jesus. And he said, you have basically put your trust in Jesus, so don't go back to now trying to add anything uh, that you need to do to ensure you are saved. Now, through faith, you are now adopted. No longer a slave. I love that that Chris picked that song. No longer even a young child who still needed a tutor. But when we've been adopted, yes, when we're born again, we're like a babe in Christ and we need to grow and mature. But. In the position we're given when we are adopted into God's family, we are adopted as an adult son. It's not like the Lord went through all the orphanages and said, I'll take that one and that one and this one and this one. No, when we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, he adopts us. We become part of his family as an adult who is ready to receive the inherited promises. Who become, we become a joint heir with Christ. It doesn't depend on our maturity level as we grow in the Lord. We are adopted into God's family as an adult son, and heir to the inheritance. So are you relating to God by being under the law, by working for your salvation, by working for his good pleasure, or are you accepting his grace, being under grace through faith in Jesus, finished work on your behalf? Okay, number two, bondage or freedom. If you are in a relationship with God through obedience to the law, then you're still in bondage. You're still under the law. You're still trying to earn and work your way towards salvation. You're not free to enjoy the privileges of being in the position of an adult son who's been adopted by God. Through faith, we become part of God's family. Our position and privileges are as his adult children. And scripture tells us we can call him Abba, Father. And I hope you take time in your groups to talk about uh, that phrase, that the meaning of that. Um, but it basically is referring to a term of intimate relationship. It's Abba, Father. Father, or Abba the Father, or my Father. So you're talking about an intimate relationship. Now, all people are not children of God. You've heard people say, oh, well, we're all just children of God. No, we're not all children of God. We're his creation. But until you become born again, until you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you are not a child of God. John 1, verses 12 and 13, But as many as received him, meaning Jesus, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And we studied in chapter 3, verse 26, we are, You are all sons of God through what? Through faith in Christ Jesus. And then in John chapter 3, verses 3 through 7, Jesus explains about needing to be born again, born again of the Spirit of God. That's when you become a child of God. God sent his Spirit into our hearts, crying out, Abba, Father, we are no longer a slave but a son, and if a son, then an heir of God through Jesus Christ. He set us free from the bondage of the law, trying to be acceptable before God by our works, by our obedience to the law. Um, God is holy, and we need to become acceptable to God, but it's not by what we do. It's by what Jesus did. In Ephesians 1.6, we're told we are acceptable in the beloved. We're accepted before a holy God because we are in Christ Jesus as a born-again believer, as a child of God. That's how we are accepted before God. He set us free, ladies, from the penalty of sin, which was what? Eternal separation from a holy God. He set us free from the power of sin. We can cast off the works of darkness. We can put off the old man, put off the deeds of the flesh, reckon that old man dead, and we're to walk in newness of life. We're to put on the new man because we've been set free. We have that power now to do that. We don't have to give in to our flesh. We don't have to give in to the world. We don't have to give in to the temptation of the enemy. He set us free from the power of the enemy, and he's given us armor and weapons to use to stand and withstand against the enemy that ensure us the victory. 2 Corinthians 10, verses 3 through 5 talk about our weapons are not carnal or fleshly. They're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. In Ephesians 6, 10 through 18, we learn about the armor and the weapons that we wear to stand against the enemy. So he's delivered us from that uh, uh, bondage of having to be under that. Romans eight thirty seven says we are more than more than conquerors through him who loved us. And he will set us free one day, and I think one day soon, from the presence of sin, from the presence of evil, from the presence of these sin natures, from the presence of the pain and the sorrow and the the enemy, um, when we go home to be with him, when he comes for his church. Either way, when we're there with him, we will be delivered completely from the presence of sin. So we have to remember, right? Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So are you living in freedom by faith in Jesus, or are you living in bondage to the law? We love God because he first loved us. And we should want to please him. We should want to obey him. We should want to do those things that we know bring him pleasure um, and make right choices, keeping him first in our life, keeping him and the things of the Lord as our priority. Why? Because we have to? Because we're obligated to? Because it's a sense of duty? No. Is it because we're afraid he's not going to love us if we don't? No, it's because we love him. When you love someone, you want to do those things that you know bring them pleasure. And that um, it's not out of a sense of guilt. It's out of a sense of, like where Paul, in Romans, I think, where it says, present your bodies a living sacrifice, which is your reasonable service. It's the least that we can do in light of everything he's done on our behalf. All of us on any given day are going to sin. We're going to say something, do something, think something that we regret or that we have to ask the Lord to forgive us for. So none of us are ever going to be able to adhere to the law. And when we put that on, it's a bondage. We're going back into bondage, and it's a burden for us. But when we do that, then we can ask the Lord to forgive us, who is faithful and just, to forgive us, to cleanse us. And we do it out of love. We ask for forgiveness. We want to be cleansed. We want to be close to him out of love. Yes, the Bible says to obey is better than sacrifice, and rebellion is is a sin of witchcraft. So we know God does not want us to be disobedient, just like we don't want our children or our grandchildren to be disobedient. But God knows what's best for us. And those things he tells us not to do are for our own good. It's for our best interests or things that he wants us to do are going to be a benefit for us. Not because he's just, well, just because I said so kind of thing. We're free to choose, and if we choose to disobey, he's still going to love us. And he's going to chastise us. He's going to discipline us like any loving father would do. If a father or mother does not discipline their child it kind of indicates that they don't really love them enough to do so. Because you want your very best for your children. Well, God wants his very best for us. So we should want to obey him because we love him. We should obey him because we want to honor him. We should obey him because we have freedom to do that, not to earn his favor or his love. Okay, number three. Are we the son of the flesh or son of the promise? Now, Paul knew the Jewish believers that he was writing to, as well as the Gentile believers, but in particular, the Jewish believers would understand what he was saying, what the point he was making when he brought up these two women from the Old Testament. Abraham had two sons, Ishmael and Isaac, and hopefully you filled out the chart in your lesson that indicated and gave differences between the two. But Abraham was promised a son through whom would come his descendants that would be as numerous as the stars in the sky. And that was Genesis 15, one through 6. And we know Abraham had a wife named Sarah. She had not given him children. She had been barren. And she had an Egyptian maidservant named Hagar. Well, Sarah cons- convinced Abraham to get um, Hagar pregnant since she and Abe were getting older, quite a bit older, and they were not producing their own child. She wanted to help God out. Anyone here know that feeling? Things aren't happening when you think they should happen. And so you think, you know, maybe this is what God wanted me to do all along. I think I'm going to do this. I think I'm going to help God out. God needs my help. Wrong. No, he doesn't. He doesn't need your help. And we know he did not need Sarah's help. But what happened, we know right? Hagar did get pregnant, and um, <laughs> we learned through it. God's timing is not our timing. His ways are not our ways. He's God. We're not, and we, learned, we should learn great lessons through what happened with Abraham, Sarah, and Hagar, but Hagar gives birth to a son named Ishmael, and it caused all kinds of trouble. Still today, Ishmael's descendants, the Arabs, there's, there's issues that we are still experiencing today because of uh, this act of disobedience, an act of trying to help God out when he didn't ask for help. But Abraham at 100 and Sarah at 91, well past childbearing age, did give birth to a son, Isaac. God told them, name him Isaac. And a few years after that, Hagar and her teenage son were sent away because Sarah saw Ishmael kind of scoffing at Isaac, and she already knew there was going to be trouble. And so he was sent away. Well, we know Abraham, um, you know, that he did that, and yet God met Hagar did promise descendants to come through Ishmael, but they were not the sons of promise. They were not the sons that would be considered sons of Abraham. And we also know that Abraham was willing to offer his son Isaac. Now, Isaac would have been a young adult male at this point. He was not some child. He carried the wood to the altar where God told Isaac or Abraham to put Isaac on, and he was willing... Abraham was willing. He believed what God had told him, that the descendants would come through Isaac. So even if Isaac was going to be dead on the altar, God would somehow be able to to handle it. Well, we know God provided himself a sacrifice. We know that all pointed to Jesus being our sacrifice, the father offering his son, the son being willing. There's so much there that we can learn about Jesus as our sacrifice and God's, the Father's love. But Paul points to Hagar as representing the bondwoman, the one that was a maid servant, the one that was in bondage, more or less. She did not have freedom. Sarah had freedom. And the law that Hagar represents, it brings bondage, where Sarah brings the freedom when you are that child that comes through her Abraham's line through Sarah through Isaac the promised one who came to set us free and that's Jesus Christ Uh, Paul continues in chapter 5 verse 1 which we'll get into next week but he says therefore stand fast in the freedom you have in Christ don't go back into the bondage of the law be the son of promise be a child of the free woman not a child of the bond woman so I would ask, whose son are you? Whose child are you? Hagar, the son of the bondwoman and being under the bondage of the law, or the child of Sarah, that son of promise, the free woman, because you put your faith in God's free gift of grace. Let's pray. Lord, thank you that you have set us free. And Lord, I pray you continue to deepen our understanding of what this means in our life, Lord, that it's your grace, it's by faith that it does produce good, good works, Lord, because of our faith when it's living, when it's real. Because we want to do those things that please you, not to earn our salvation. So thank you for, for paying it in full. Jesus, thank you for declaring it is finished and that you died in our place and have given us new life, that you've adopted us into your family, and we can say, Abba, Father, because we are a child, no longer a slave, but we belong to you, and we thank you for that, Lord. And I pray you bless the discussion groups, Lord, and uh, just continue to give us understanding of your word and how it applies to our life, that we might walk in that freedom, choosing, Lord, to do those things out of freedom and out of love that will be pleasing and honoring to you. In Jesus' name, amen.